Hey, other dad. Hey, dad. One. <laughs> Whoa. Daddy-o. <laughs> What's up? Uh, apparently not Tobias. Or am I misreading <laughs> the situation? <laughs> yeah, sorry for keeping you waiting. Thanks for being flexible. You know, days and times and none of that has any meaning anymore. It's uh, no. all just no. time and space. Yeah, it's, it's and you're just <laughs> swimming through it, and yeah, whatever vector makes the most sense at the time. I, I've been there's I've, four I've been dimensions, showed, but I don't care about them really. No, 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 no. I've been shown so much patience having raised four kids while also building two startups that um, it actually makes me feel a little bit better when folks like you. Uh, tell, tell me oh yeah we were gonna record a podcast weren't we <laughs> the funny thing was i like one and a half hour before we were supposed to record i was like hey are we still recording today and you're like yeah sure mm-hmm. and then you know one and a half hours is like a lifetime <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and, it feels uh, like, like i was a week. not ready to record at that time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like a week used to feel right yeah yeah yeah, yeah so um we uh we had a travel day today so we went up to the cabin the the covid situation isn't great right now in denmark mm. because people thought they were immune i think because they were danish right you know mm. they grew up in like candyland or <laughs> whatever <laughs> everything is like utopia socialistic utopia here right so we can't yeah. get sick it's not like other Mm-mm. poorer countries and stuff no. so you know yeah. people should have their parties and be able to go out and stuff like that which yeah, they have been most of summer wow. um, but now yeah. it's like things are happening and uh, they said the other day that you're supposed to work from home again so we can't go to the office and we have a very small apartment in copenhagen and yeah. we're three people now mm-hmm. and yeah, it's nicer to be in the cabin when we can't go to the office anyways. And like every time you go to the supermarket in the city, you're like, it's crowded and, you know, not a lot of people are wearing masks because it's not mandatory. And, you know, mm. it's just nice to be in the countryside instead. So that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, Might as that well. sounds pleasant. That's cool. Yeah. I feel thankful that we were able to do that. <laughs> just kind of, you know, decide and throw everything in the car and go here. Mm hmm. Yeah, so that's that's why <laughs> the day cool. was a little disrupted. Yeah, no, no worries. Like I said, uh, I'm very familiar with that routine. The the lack. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not really routine. It's the uh, no. It's the lack of routine. It's the lack of routine. Exactly. It's the. It's not a part of his vocabulary yet. I think. Incredibly dynamic. Life. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, agile living. Yep. Yeah, that's that's totally fine. So it um, we iterate <clears throat> the beginning of of great things. So no, it's good, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I started working a little bit on Friday. Emphasis mm-hmm. on a little bit, and then I was supposed to go to the office and meet with Bjorn today, um, but that is yeah, that's canceled for for a few weeks at least. And yeah. so we had our first. This is my manager update. <laughs> okay, and let's go that format <laughs> yeah. so uh, we did a slack stand-up kind of thing like 45 minutes i think this morning because we hadn't spoke except you know chat been chatting text 
um, for like three or four weeks. So it was good just to kind of like catch up. Um, like even though I haven't really been working, like I've still been planning stuff and like had some notion documents opened and dropped some notes and he's been working on some cool things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been distracting him. (laughs) Yeah. So we, he, as I've been mentioning, he was working on, um, basically the final piece of making branch like a, a deployment tool that has built in CICD, but not like primarily a CICD tool, but emphasis on deployment. Okay. And that's like the big thing that we're going to work on for the next months. Like it's, it's, it's going to, it's a big project and we're, we're trying to do it smaller chunks. Um, basically one model at a time in the app. Um, yeah. Which I, it seems like that's going to be possible. It's not always possible, but it looks like we'll be able to like split it up in like pretty nice bite-sized chunks. Um, but this week I had like, you know, the whatever X person asked me for self-hosted GitLab support in branch. And it's something I've been holding back on because not like most people just use GitHub and GitHub is the best platform for using git um um there's also bitbucket bitbucket is the worst um, mm. gitlab is like basically a github clone a little bit in many ways hmm. that's at least how they started like the api was like one-to-one the same as endpoints and stuff they call everything the same as github did um okay. but um it's like I, I created a poll on Twitter and asked what people are using. And mm-hmm. I also looked in the, in the branch database, just like which providers people had connected to their accounts. Yeah. And it was yeah. basically the same number. So I think I basically just kind of like figured out what the market share are of these platforms, um, at least for like Laravel and WordPress developers, but basically GitHub is like 70%. And then I think it's like 15% GitLab. Or fifteen percent GitLab, where it's like split fifty fifty between GitLab.com and GitLab self-hosted, okay. where you host your own GitLab instant instance, mm-hmm. kind of like on-premise stuff, and then the other fifteen percent is Bitbucket. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what I'm slowly starting to realize is that probably a lot of the larger agencies that we would want as our customers are more likely to, you know, the the the, the market share is different when you look at those. And there's a higher percentage of those that are attracted to an on-premise self-hosted version of GitLab, which makes sense because mm. they're mm. bigger enterprises. Maybe they have more compliance, right. you know, things they need to worry about with their customers. Yeah. Um. So I've had a few of them come through and they're all from, you know, one of the hosting companies that we really want to partner with and that we think it's close to a one-to-one mapping between their ideal agency and our ideal agency customer. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if they use that, this is like, this is something we should support. And also it's like, it's a way to communicate to those that like, we actually believe that if a customer comes from you and this is, you know, how they look, we want to make sure that we support their use case because we want to make sure that we are aligned and with the kinds of needs that your customers have, because we believe there's a a big overlap there. Yeah. Um, okay. And it's not it's not that hard actually, because it's the same API as GitLab.com, 
which we support already. And the only thing is we also use the Git provider as an OAuth basically to to log in like you have Google sign in on on Summit. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that with self-hosted GitLab. That would just be I don't know the, how that would work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> log in with yeah. like a self-hosted thing. Like that was that's not possible. So we had to like think about how we how we did this. And we decided just to like come up with something quick and dirty um that Bjorn worked on. But basically I made an executive decision and this is where i guess it's a manager update and not a maker update <laughs> yeah. um that it made sense for him to spend a week on this um in the middle of another project and it's something so we talked about this because it's like this is not what we want to do like this is not ideal and we both know that mm. um but it's a combination of the the big project that he's working on is a big project and it's going to go on for a while and yeah. on the other hand, it's like we have someone and they actually signed up for a paid plan because I told them we could make this happen. Um, so it's like, you know, it's that point. It's it's kind of like the do things that don't scale phase combined mm-hmm. with like it's a strong signal. And like I'm I'm planning on having a meeting with this hosting company soon. And like this is a good this is a use case or like, you know, this is a you know, I want to tell them the story about how these people came in this is the needs they had. And we decided that it was important for us to prioritize that. Yep. So it was a bit of a hard decision to say like, okay, let's pause the other thing for a week basically and work on this instead. Yeah. Um, the reason it's a week is because Bjorn doesn't work full time right now. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise it wouldn't have been a whole week, um, but that's basically sure. how it ended up. Um, hmm. So we have it implemented now and it's ready for them to start using, but it's in a like more like a hard coded way that it, everything is working behind the scenes, but like we have to set it up for them. So we didn't have to spend time on like a UI for this um, because it's not, they don't need that right now because we'll be onboarding them. Um, yeah. So that was like, <laughs> that's the first thing I did when I came back basically from paternity leave is like completely derail <laughs> his work. Um, I guess that's just what you have to do sometimes. Um, but yeah, I made that decision. But now it's out, and that's good. Um, hmm. I mean, that yeah, it so, sounds uh, sounds like the right call. Yeah, you know, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to say what's right or wrong. Um, but we got yeah, a paid customer out. out of it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So the other thing that I'm kind of like working on now that I'm easing back into work is the um, all the the traction channel testing that we plan on doing in this Mm -hmm. coming quarter and the biggest test or like the biggest project is i want to try doing the wordpress podcast that i talked about Um, and i think that's the one that's going to take most time to get off the ground so that's kind of like where i'm starting laying the groundwork there um my idea is to come up with a list of people i want to interview ideally someone who has a little bit of an audience themselves so they can you know help spread the word Mm -hmm. and then pre-record five to ten episodes i think you know ten would be nice five is probably enough to know that if people are going to listen or not right um you know we got with this podcast we haven't done a lot of promotion, but like with this podcast, like our, 
I guess, 50% of the listeners we have now probably came in the first five episodes, I would say, if I look at the numbers. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, because we got we had pretty good numbers from day one, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like I plan on doing a lot of promotion here. So like if I could get 10 episodes queued up, so like maybe record over two or three days um, just queue up all those interviews. Yeah. And it's sponsored by Branch. And then mm. I'm just trying to like basically come up with a plan for all the promotion that I could do for this. Um, like just, you know, all the tricks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the show notes that turn it into yeah, a blog post. You're going you're gonna to really go for it. You know, it's not a side exactly. project. I mean, this is a focus. Yeah. 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 Like post like 10 little snippets from each episode on social media and like all of them, like on LinkedIn and Twitter, maybe Facebook and yeah. you know, just really, really promote it as much as possible. I think with five to 10 episodes, I should be able to see if this is something they'll, you know, is worth doing more of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And since our goal is to get to 100 customers by the end of the year, um, that means we still have uh, 87 customers to go. I feel yeah. like a successful podcast in the WordPress space could actually, on its own, do that if if I do it right and if you know it works works out. Yeah, I don't know how far it could get us, but it might just be nice, anyways, for like brained stuff. Yeah. And it and you know it's kind of like evergreen um it'll just be there as like yeah content. yeah it's hard to beat the payoff like of something that's just going to at least be there i mean if, if a stale podcast then not so good but if you keep it up you know i mean i yeah. assume if it's if it's really not paying off you'll just discontinue it but if it's something you do with any consistency then i think it's it's funny there's so much content out there now but i actually still think we're in the early days of oh yeah being as much as there will be you know like yeah the, the demand is still there yeah i love when uh wistia talk about like how you know every company today should also be some sort of media company as well yeah at least think about it um and it's fun like at least for me i like i think it's fun to do that creative work and it's hard for me to think about anything like I could do with the same like potential in that amount of time. Like I, I really think like I could queue up 10 calls with people I want to interview in like two or three days and just hit record. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of like, that's like potentially 10 hours of podcast. And I don't know how much like material you can pull out of that as like blog posts and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I know that there are people that, runs these services where they'll basically do a lot of the promotion for you and a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, like if any of our listeners has experience doing something like this, like I would love to hear on Twitter or something like that, like how people do this. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm most likely not going to do it myself. Um, I'll most likely want to pay someone to do the promotion, I think, Um, Mm -hmm. or at least some of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, there is an option that I, you and I have shared some emails about, um, was, uh, the castaway one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's something that looks interesting. Yeah, it does. You know, we'll have to, uh, can't, can't give it an endorsement or a non-endorsement yet, but that's definitely an option that I was, uh, looking at James Sowers of Castaway. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically the first one of the traction channels I'll start testing out, I think. Um, cool. And then, then see what happens. Okay. Um, yeah. Like on part of our goal, like, so the, our goal is basically to find our, get to 100 customers by the end of the year. And then I add it with proven product market fit. And by that, I mean the, basically the Shorn Ellis survey, as I mentioned last time, the how disappointed would you be if you could no longer use Branch? And that's like for B2B stuff like this, that's just, you know, the simplest formula I've heard mm-hmm. <laughs> for how to test if you have product market fit. Yeah. Um, I was listening. Do you listen to Invest Like the Best? Oh, yes. the podcast. Yep. Did that's you listen good. to the interview with Michael Siepel from uh, Y Combinator? Yeah, I did. Actually, it was a long one, but I, I mostly... Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But he basically, he was saying, like, you're, you you always know when you have part market fit and you most likely don't have it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, like, as a Y Combinator, um, you know, investor, mentor, is he the CEO or something, whatever, of Y Combinator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, basically the, he basically is the head. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But like I think he's talking mostly about B two C stuff and not B two B stuff. Um, but like he was saying with with um, with Twitch or Justin TV when they started that, it's like you know they had to decide on an hour by hour basis that they should order more servers, and the only thing they did was to try to like keep the service up. Like they didn't have time to like sit and do like a survey to see if they had product market fit or like you know <laughs> philosophize like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very it's they, a high bar. They didn't it's even think about bar. if they had it. Like they were just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I like reserving that term for that because it allows you to describe other things. So, so there's so many stages between not having it and that experience that I think that the problem I have is that when you take product market fit and you basically distill it down to like a oh, willingness to pay or You've got yeah. some customers. You kind of miss the opportunity to describe this other phase you're in, which is like it's the not quite there phase, which is this huge valley <laughs> of, yeah. of of challenges. And it's like, let's be honest, you know that, that keeping the servers up is is not your situation or mine. Yeah. So in the in the product I, market fit sense, yeah, we, we I really f- like he he really touched on something that I really felt. I, f- I felt that he was like talking to me directly when he said that he was like, every founder wants to do company building mm. and you get to do company building once you have product market fit. So you want to, you know, lie to yourself and say that you have product market fit so you can start doing company building. But mm. yep. yeah. And I was like, Ooh, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I read, I read an article he wrote as well. Uh, that was really good. And it had just this great analogy. <laughs> Where he said um, he he had the example of someone whose hair is on fire, mm-hmm. and you know the ideal solution for them, like what they want, is water, so they could just you know yes. pour water over their head. <laughs> yeah. But like if you give them a break, they'll hit themselves <laughs> in the head with the break to just... try to get the like they'll whatever you give them, like they'll try to you know shut down the fire with that <laughs> it's such a that's a great picture man and that's probably yeah. like part of market fit right it yeah it is it is it's extreme extreme willingness to accept flaws and imperfections in a product as well yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thinking about that a lot, I know it's different for B2B. Um, and that's, so I'm, I'm consuming a lot of content about product market fit right now. It's, I find it interesting. Um, just in general as like a concept. Um, yeah. And I know you've had it with a product, a B2B product as well. Yeah. Um, and I remember you, we talked about it on the podcast like a year ago or something, but you were talking about how it very much becomes about like, you know, keeping servers up and just yeah. serving people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people stop. You just, there's a critical mass piece to this. And it's it's on the product side and the distribution side. And I think most founders end up with a critical mass of value, meaning there's enough features there. Yeah. But they don't have a critical mass of distribution where mm. they actually get into the market. They get they get into little you know, if the market's a river, let's use the metaphor that's been floating around the indie space quite a lot, thanks to uh, our friend Justin. But like if the market's a river, they're kind of they're in a little side eddy somewhere or they're in a little pool or a little, you know, stream that's feeding it. They're not in the market, but when you can, when you actually get in it, into it, like you did, you get distribution, right? Yeah. Into it. Then I think we all underestimate how big that is because we think that we think we're already serving it, but we don't realize it's like you, you actually don't have distribution yet. And mm. if, if you can get a product, I mean, this goes back to where we were talking about being, you know, months ago, if you have that product user fit where individual users are very happy and you connect that into a distribution channel, that's truly tapping into the whole market. Yeah. Then, you know, crazy stuff can happen like what he's talking about. And I did have that happen one time with, with storm pulse where traffic literally doubled every day for like two weeks straight. Okay. And, it, and it started at a number of like it started at like a thousand, so okay. if you double a thousand for four, fourteen times. It, it's a very it big a number. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a lot. So I mean, we ended up going from like a thousand visits to two million visits or something like that in a period of two weeks. Wow. Yeah, and that literally was a. What are you talking about? New features, man. <laughs> There's no. Uh, apparently, we don't need more features. We we just need to make sure that our Nginx config doesn't like break and our servers don't melt down and. And yeah, every transaction is closing when it should, and you don't have any Postgres connections you don't need, and and all this stuff. Like it's just it does yeah. become that problem. And I'm not there yet with Summit, um, but that's a very real thing, and it's just hard to get to because uh, attention spans being what they are, distribution is hard. It's really hard. Yeah, for sure. I guess that's that's my update for this week, which contained two half days of work. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. That's what I got on the on the manager side at least. Cool. Well welcome back to the full swing of things, it sounds like. Thank you. What's uh what have you been busy with on the manager side? Yeah, the ma- yeah, right, because we said we were gonna start there. Um Yeah. On the manager side, I am organizing <laughs> it's like okay it's a good way yeah organizing um product plans and current sort of work work streams if you will so i've got so the, so the contract help on the back ends and the front end uh of the product and they both um had pull requests or multiple pull requests throughout the last 
seven days and I have been merging those and testing those. The front end is, is um, both are amazing. The, the back end work is really about some pretty major performance improvements where right now it's actually doing a wholesale delete and recreate for a lot of the subscription metrics connections that, that are on Summit. Um, and this will change that to a really more of a continuous data ingestion. So okay. that's, yeah, so that's about to go live on the staging site. And uh, I'll more about that in a second. And on the front end, just a ton of refactoring is finished now. Where, yeah, you sent me some of those oh, uh, pull requests. They're, yeah, it's pretty huge. And uh, Jason's done an amazing job of basically taking a monolithic JavaScript, a monolithic view app, breaking it into a multi page view app, and then turning it into a multi multi component view app, which is no small feat. And so that work is, I'd say we've done two rounds and probably gotten 80% plus of the value out of that exercise of like, you know, break it apart, break it apart. So yeah, it's a kind of a good time to pause, but simple examples are like transitions are going to be much, much cleaner and smoother, you know, hitting the escape key closes modals, um, you yeah. know, having, having deep links in the URL where if you click into an event, an object that you can edit in your model, you can copy the URL and paste it in another window and it goes straight to, you know, that position in the editor. Um, so just all these UX rough edges that have just been, you know, smoothed out, which is really, really nice. Um, and I've got some extra, you know, tweaks in there too. So it's going to be a really awesome update that is, you know, visible reduction in friction, but a lot of invisible refactoring and performance improvements which really mm-hmm. sets the stage for the next, I'd say the next year of Summit's life in terms of product development. Um, so I, I know if like if this was a movie, kind of the the new version of the product that I launched in July would almost be the climax of the story. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, he released the thing and you know and and won the battle against the rewrite. <laughs> but <laughs> if you like finished watching the movie, I feel like this couple of pull requests these these changes that i'm talking about now that's it's going to go live um and the staging environment being uh delivered that's really the you know the 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 resolution like the new world like oh and then here's the new world where everything's better (laughs) it's teasing the second movie as well teasing the second movie yeah perhaps um and so that feels great and so in a sense i look at my september goals and plans and i've been using uh, I know it's not in vogue, but I've been using Trello just as a basic organizing tool. Uh, I did for July, August, and September. And like my September completed column, everything's in it except for like a handful of bug fixes that I'd like to get to and getting the staging environment live. Uh, I'm going to have a meeting this afternoon to talk about the staging environment, but I definitely had the September I was hoping for. And that feels really good, especially since the month's not over yet. Um, Mm. the other thing on the organizing side, so more managerial is, you know, because I, um, yeah, because I've been working with, um, Christoph and Jason and others, you know, it's become a little bit more of a need for me to, I'd say lead at the lead at the level of what's next, like, you know, what is, what is really next for the front end of the products and the back, like now that this work is done, what's next. Mm. And 
I plan to continue to invest in these extra resources, which means my burn is higher. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is a little, you know, it's taking some risk in terms of runway, but it's, you know, the work that, so now it comes down to, okay, what, how do we plan for the next, let's just say October, November, December. So Q4. So my Q4 planning is fully in gear and I feel like I've outgrown Trello because while it was good for siloed work, like me and myself or even Jason, and I would kind of dip into his board and like edit things, um, I've I've used Airtable in the past, um, so I'm actually trying Airtable again. So I loaded oh, okay. it up this morning with a bunch of uh, tabs, and it's just like it is very much like Excel, but it, it gives you that database functionality of linking things and pivoting things much easier. And so yeah. I'm going to attempt to do. I've got a strategic planning. Um, let's just call it. They, what do they call these in this? I think they call them bases bases so i've got a strategic planning base and in it i've got several tabs and it might be interesting to discuss with our listeners like how i've chosen to organize this um if you're up for it but maybe I'll yeah for it. sure i is this what you sent me a screenshot of the other day uh yeah that was the top that was the that was the top level yeah okay yeah let's talk about that i think from what i understand it's related to the episode we did about the flywheel company in october or november yeah yeah we can link to that. last year yep yeah uh so i i've been thinking a lot about the yeah, the company i want to build and i completely agree by the way that um with michael uh siebel's you know what is what would you call it evaluation that most founders jump there too soon so i'm not trying to scale this yet to like the entire you know i need i need a team of 15 people right but like i said i've got a team now of two ish people at full time Mm. at any given moment and i am investing resources above and beyond my own salary which means i'm just taking on some additional risk of is this really the right work to be doing you know or is it yeah this is this is beneficial but like this doesn't get the flywheel spinning Right, which means that the benefits are not as it's not just it's just not as high leverage as it as other work that I could be doing. Right. And so that's the key question is like, are we working on the right work? <laughs> it makes sense because because there's a lot of work and you know, this you could see this as product road mapping. Um, but I started a lot higher level with it instead. And I call this the process company. I think process is a good word. I'm actually thinking, you know, processes have input and output. So that's one way to label it. Another way to think of it is functional. You know, functions have input and functions have output. Not so important sort of semantics, but um, I am thinking about, you know, input in terms of, let me give you an example. Okay. So I've actually distilled Summit as a business into 10 of these processes or functions yeah and what i'm thinking about is let me give you an example that like comes up a lot so a lot of folks have active acquisition activation um retention revenue retention and referral r right we talked about this in previous episodes pirate metrics pirate metrics right so you could map this to pirate metrics and just think about well acquisition is a function and you're trying to take people who've never heard of you and turn them into people who've heard of you and maybe sign up for your product right that's 
that's that's that was kind of how I did it by default in the first cut. But some of the problems that I'm trying to solve for potentially are what happens when you have a team member or a department who thinks of their job as taking people who've never heard of you and turning them into signups, right? Mm. Well, you optimize what you measure. So on, uh, on, this, on the bright side, you ought to end up with more signups. You know, that's a, that's a given. <laughs> but, but, but so that number is going to go up. But are signups really what you're after as a business are they really what you're after as a business, right? Do signups, like if that number's higher, are you necessarily better off, right? It's not the end goal, at least. No, it's not the end goal, at least. So there's two parts to this. One is the signups have to feed into another step, which is, hey, we need to turn those signups into uh, active customers, activation, and then active customers and revenue, right? So there's another step that needs to be fed into. And that got me thinking, you know, I've been a part of situations before where, you know, hey, marketing, we need more leads. And then marketing creates leads. And then the sales team is like, these aren't the leads we're looking for, right? And they're like, well, what do yeah, you mean? Yeah. They're, they're leads. And it's like, well, they're not converting. And then, and then another thing happens where the product or customer success people say like, what are you doing closing these deals, sales? You know, these aren't the kinds of customers that we're going to be able to retain or they're not happy customers. And then sales is like, well, you asked me for for customers and I'm delivering customers, right? And so... Yeah, it's the old you get what you measure, right? I, you get what you measure, exactly. And what's really interesting about that way of measuring a business is it's very production line oriented as far as my job as marketing is to create leads. Your job as sales is to turn leads into customers. And then your job as product and retention or customer success is to turn customers into like happier customers. And... It, it it's it's kind of it's kind of obvious when you for me when I say it that way that there are problems in the gaps. So you end up with issues in the gaps where the leads aren't the kind of leads you're actually looking for, and so it fails when you yeah. the, into the next step. Or the customers, the deals that you closed, aren't a good fit for the product, and so it fails on the next step. And so there ends up being this kind of cascading failure where because you've uh, because you've siloed responsibilities because you've given people clear output metrics that are very easy to juice right like oh you want more leads i'll give you more leads right i'll, I'll yeah. spend i'll spend a thousand dollars acquiring leads it doesn't mean they're going to be great leads right so what i there's a lot of ways to solve for this one one way i'm thinking about is at least the early stages of the company maybe forever we'll, we'll see how it goes experimental but what if I got rid of some of the product and sales and marketing silos or nomenclature. And I just said, there is a, there's a function or a process that's supposed to take active users, meaning users that are actively using the product and turn them not into customers, but renewing customers so that you kind of put the gap, you know how, when you lay brick, you've got like the mortar lines and it's staggered so that you have the brick, and then the mortar line. Mm. And then the, the row above that, you have the brick sitting on top of the mortar line, right? Yeah. And then because, you know, if you stack things on the mortar line, what do you get? You get this this brittle wall, right? Where we're yeah, clearly it's, like... It's wobbly. Yeah. It's, it's all wobbly, right? And you, you can build Legos this way to prove it. So you want to stagger things. I was thinking to myself, like, what if you staggered responsibilities 
so that there was someone who owned input that was active users and their that what they were the output they were responsible for was renewing customers so that that conversion moment actually sits right in the middle of their responsibilities yeah so that they can't you know they li- they have to eat what they kill or better said they have to dog food their <laughs> own they have to dog food their own uh active users like yeah it's like hey your job is not just to convert them your job is to renew them and if you convert people on false promises then you're going to have a hard time renewing them right in the old days the guy that built the cannon he had to sit on the cannon the first time they fired it i love that story (laughs) (laughs) exactly right and and I, exactly that's that's what i was trying to think through so he's not in charge of building the cannon he's in charge of right. building a cannon that shoots well and doesn't explode when you're fired the first time that's right and so sometimes <laughs> in organizations you say hey if you're in sales you part of your commission is going to be dependent on renewals and i th- i was like okay that's something but like what are you actually trying to do there what you're actually trying to do is create a clawback right or a hook that makes him or her responsible for poor quality so if the output is poor quality you catch it like and and there ends up being a feedback um a negative feedback loop that tells the person like hey this isn't work you know the canon is the ultimate negative feedback loop (laughs) but i i I basically took the business and i broke it into these 10 functions or processes where the the output of each is a maybe another way to think about this is like something that's in flight right so Hey, you've got to take somebody who's listening to this podcast and turn them into an active user of the product. Not a sign up, not a contact, not an email address, right? Because that would be easy. It's like, oh, I'm just going to send an email to all the listeners and say, give me your email address or, or send an email and say, hey, yeah. sign up for this product. I want them to be actively using the product, right? And then somebody yeah. can take an active user and turn them into a renewing customer and then a renewing customer into a growing customer so that the interesting transition points in a customer's journey happens squarely within the center of somebody's responsibilities. Yeah. That's what I'm aiming for. Right. When you describe it, like the way you describe it now, it actually makes me think that, you know, in the like previous iteration, Mm. when you thought about like the objective for a person, it's like, it's, so obvious just from the description um like what they're supposed to do like they're and they're just going to take the shortest route you know yeah yeah and but with this iteration it's more like you would actually have to sit down and if you were using like an okr approach to this and i'm reading john Doerr's, uh measure mm-hmm. what what is it you measure you get what you measure yep. i think um I'm not sure what the title is right now, actually, but it, the book is really good. Um, it's John Doerr, the yeah, OKR yeah. guru. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, it's like with this iteration of of the process company, as you called it, it's like you would actually have to sit down and spend some time coming up with the right OKR um, statement or the objective and the key results for that um, process. And it wouldn't be, it would be more subjective to some extent like yeah i think the so to give an example so i'm saying i want 
I want someone, and this is currently just me because I'm a bit of a you know one one to two man show. But the someone needs to be responsible for turning a listener on this podcast into an active user of the product. And I think what you're saying is whoever's responsibility that is would need to understand what constitutes an active user. Yeah. Let's define. We know we have an active user when the user A, B, and C, right? Those are the key results, right? Yeah. So you could have a goal of 100 active users, but the definition of an active user is going to have way more qualifications and constraints on it than just saying, oh, they signed up for the product. It's like, "Mm." yeah, and OKR just sounds perfect for this thing that you're doing. And it's like, you would have a... Yeah, because the, the exactly the key results could actually create the constraints, context, yeah, or the context for each of these. So, what is a renewing customer? You know, what is a growing customer? Um, what is profitable revenue? So, I actually have one in here where I want you know fair transactions to lead to profitable revenue. Well, profitable revenue means profitable on unit level, right? Not just revenue, but yeah. like on a per unit basis, it's profitable. Um, and so, I, I built this just thinking could we use this as a framework where you notice I didn't, if you, if you look at these 10, I don't use the word product marketing or sales or engineering anywhere. Right? No, these 10 things are the functions that the company needs to run. And an owner owns how that input turns into that output and is responsible for that output appearing, right? And and manages everything within. But each of these functions needs or could need sales, marketing, product, or engineering resources, right? And customer yeah. success. So what I'm thinking is like the leadership of the of, of the organization really is responsible for resource allocation to prioritize which of these functions is getting resources. But yeah. then there's also contributions and and really work that's done on the level of okay we're going to spend a sprint work on these two ideas which are the ideas that we believe have the best chance of improving this process right and that way you kind of have this um this rotating use of resources in terms of those traditional functions like sales marketing and product yeah but you have a consistent picture of hey, we're really, you know, we don't have enough X. Well, let's look at our 10 sort of arrows here and figure out which arrow is leaking or which arrow is weak, right? And put some resources on it for a while and see if we can fix that. And if we do, then we should have more of X. That makes a lot of sense. It sort of make me think, like, because those, like, splitting a company into marketing and sales and stuff it's it is those silos right mm-hmm. and i remember hearing Basecamp when they talk about like how they do these you know shape up six-week projects they typically have a designer and two developers for example and now it just made me think that like the designer wouldn't share an objective with the entire design organization of Basecamp. like those right. three people the two developers and one designer who in the org chart are in different places they share the same objective because they're working on a single task or a single problem that's right that's right so then so then you take it a level farther and you're like okay how do we actually do work given this setup and that's where the prioritizing comes in because then you go okay 
what are all the what are our best ideas of ways to turn you know renewing customers into growing customers well this feature would if somebody's about you know somebody's already renewed right and they're into it this feature is really going to serve that kind of user and it's going to cause them to upgrade their subscription or tell other people about the product right and so then you can say cool now we can organize our product ideas or just any ideas forget product like we can organize all of our ideas yeah uh, against these and say which of these functions or processes does this idea support or help or improve yeah right and and then you can take those like you said you can take your talents and your functions, traditional functions, and say, "Cool, let's." Because here's the thing: I've, I've, as CEO and also as a, as kind of a silo leader, I've led marketing before. But like, yeah. what happens when marketing, quote unquote, marketing, whose job it is to just create leads traditionally, needs engineering work done, or needs product? Yeah. Like, why can't product help create leads? You know, of yeah, course. So in your example of like <laughs> yeah. getting from renewing customers to growing customers, it's like, okay, we need someone who understands customer success to like understand like what makes our customers more successful and growing. Okay. We also need someone who can manage product, like a product manager kind of profile. And mm-hmm. you know, they could be the same person. That doesn't really matter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The absolutely. talents, as we just said. And we need someone who can design this. We need someone who can build this. We need someone who can tell our customers about this afterwards like you can start to think about like all the things or the talents as you call it you need to achieve that that's right and exactly so then you've got a pod which is cross-functional and it exists for a sprint or two or whatever it is to deliver on that thread of work and if that's done then the person that owns that process of growing customers you know they're the ones who lobbied for it they're the ones who believe that it was the best idea to improve that output when that work is done we should see uh, an uptick right or improvement in that output right yeah and and then the company the the job of leadership and especially the ceo role is just are we how are we allocating resources uh, you know in these pods against these functions right and it's really interesting when you can start to measure those processes as well because then you can be like okay how much does it cost to make an active customer a renewing customer yes and how much money does do we make from that and how much does it cost to make a renewing customer a growing customer and how much does that make us and where does it make more sense to spend time and resources which process is most like profitable right now which which exactly which processes how how's each one doing and then also what ideas do we have that are going to support multiple functions right so oh man if we built x x would help the acquisition of you know uh, you know would help us renew customers it would help us grow customers and you know it would improve our profit margins like yeah it's a killer idea right if you can can you have one pod deliver on that for six weeks or 12 weeks like yeah and when you start to think like that you also can start to be like okay if we do this project like it'll benefit these two processes but I actually, if we just do this tiny little tweak or do a, just a little bit more of this or just slightly change the project, it'll actually also influence this third process. Right. So you're incentivized to like, you know, add leverage that way. Right, right, exactly. And now you can see um, there's one other concept that I'll bring in. Um, Keith Rebois of uh, 
or Raboy of um, Open Door, and then a bunch of other called PayPal Mafia, as they PayPal call it. PayPal Mafia, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, quite the character. I'll just say, like his personality is uh, right. a blast <laughs> to listen to. But he had a great interview with um, Invest Like the Best uh, on Invest Like the Best podcast, and he talks about, and this is, you know, forgive the metaphor if this is cr- cringy, but like barrels and ammo. <laughs> was his metaphor yeah yeah exactly but his his thought was you know organizationally there are barrels meaning there are people who can come in and say i'm gonna own function seven right on, on this list of 10 and that means that i can envision it i can design it i can recruit the people needed to do the work on it and i can champion for you know the work to be done and i can you know Higher fire and balance into basically i can see this thing through from beginning to end right yeah that's a barrel and those he said even at paypal right just to put it in perspective like even at the point where they were acquired i might begin this a little bit wrong but like they had eight to twelve people like that in the entire organization like okay. eight, which which he actually said was an incredible number because oftentimes you end up with companies where the founder or the CEO is the only person like that in the entire company. Like they're the hmm. only person who can really think like what, f- maybe even what function are we missing? But they're, they're also the only person hmm. who can like that rare breed of person who can say, I'm going to own this process of taking, you know, active users and turn them into renewing customers. And I'm going to manage the cross-functional sort of resource allocation and everything across it. I'm going to design the projects. I'm going to champion for that. Like that kind of leadership, he just said, is really rare to be done at that level. And that kind of resonated with me because I do think that 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 is what he said is like the that is the number one determinant in his opinion of overall company performance is how many barrels you have. And, and like I actually comp- think most a, companies have a one. lot of people has that talent, <laughs> like they have the ability to do that, but it's not necessarily encouraged to be that person mm. because you can easily like step on someone else's toes or like look like you're like interfering or. Yeah. I mean, and how you design your business will decide whether or not that person is really cutting against the grain or stepping on toes probably as well. Like if you don't have a, yeah. Grain, like a traditional org chart where you have a VP of marketing, but then somebody comes in and says, well, Hey, I want to lead this effort to upsell customers. Right. Well, like, are you making decisions that the quote unquote VP of marketing should be making? Like it's their domain. That's tricky. You've kind of baked that inability, that, that lack of autonomy is somewhat baked into your org chart. Right. Yeah. Um, But you're right. I, I think you're right. There is more. So he, that he extends that with one other thought, which is, there are people out there who actually can do this and they're oftentimes they just haven't been given the chance yet. And yeah. If you can find underpriced talent <laughs> that is capable of yeah. being one of these, then that's the ultimate arbitrage as a, as a founder. It, this reminds me of a tweet from Ben from the product journey podcast the other day where he said like, it's funny when you're a developer, like people usually just assume that you're just a developer and you think like a developer and that's like the only thing you care about. I I hate that. And when you're, when you're good at other things, like I started out as a developer. Well, I started out, I learned to code because I wanted to do startup projects, but like then I became a developer and I studied like computer science and stuff like that. But you know, 
people are super surprised when you're good at sales or when you're good at, you know, talking to people or leading or whatever, like all the different things that you might be good at. Yep. Um, which is just funny because it's a superpower. Like if you can let your people, you know, (laughs) use all their talents. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think there are more of them out there than we realize or give credit for. And so that's, that's one challenge of the organization. The other one is of course is, you know, hiring and and scaling the hiring of great people that can do the cross-functional work that we talked about, like be in those pods and do the work. And at the early days, you actually need to hire people who are both. Like they're both going to do the work (laughs) in one of those pods and they're going to own the output, right? And the input of that. Like, and that's, to me, that's the best, you know, first five or six hires at a company is if you can have people who can all, both like lead these things and do the work that's inside of them. Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of startups because they just scarcity mindset and lack of resources and then a lot of understandable reasons, like a lot of the times their first several hires are people who can only do the work, but can't manage it and lead yeah. it. And that just puts a ton of stress on the founder then because they are ultimately, they become the bottleneck literally to yeah <laughs> to work getting done is they have to weigh in on everything and hire everyone and decide everything and own everything and yeah 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 and like and i know it may sound like it sometimes like i tell bjorn what to do for example but most of the time i actually don't like we talk about where we want to get and what we think we need to get there um mm-hmm. but it's like he's he's becoming the expert <laughs> on our product and he knows better how a lot of things work. Um, yeah. So it's like, why should I come up with a list of things that he should do and, or even like tell him the way that he should do it. Mm. It's like, he should understand like what projects are important and why. And yeah, just basically understand the vision. Like we spent, you know, almost, I guess probably like half an hour this morning, just talking about our Q4 plan. Yeah. Because it's, it makes no sense to have a Q4 plan if it's only in my head, I guess. Uh, yeah. Completely agree. Um, and so we at least very low leverage. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and so, like I said, back to the beginning, still small company, but it really just comes down to, I believe in the, I believe that I have product user fit with, certain people i mean i I had a sign up today that has already visited multiple times wants to invite two other team members and you know if i look at the behavioral analytics it's like hundreds of clicks (laughs) in the product you know in their first session and i really think that now the challenge is like how do i that level of success that that person's having with the product like how do i how do i scale that to others and I just need some kind of organizing system. So I, I've been in organization or organizing mode as as a yeah. um, as the manager. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah, it is fun. Um, building when something. you're a yeah. geek as well, and I don't know. That's like a lo- big part of what what I enjoy about building a company is thinking about these things. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the problem is if you don't think of these things, they're going to be think they're going to think themselves through for you. <laughs> yes. In a, there, in there, a, there is no, yeah. yeah, in a bad, in a bad way. Like there is no, yeah. I skipped designing that part. 
you no no actually you <laughs> did you just kind of let it design itself and now you yeah. have what you have because you it's like that with many things it, in life oh absolutely yeah yeah you, you don't, don't intentionally live your life it will you will still live exactly yeah. yeah 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 your business your company will be built this question yeah is, did you did you design it um so yeah man that's that's the mode i've been in and i am yeah, excited to roll this out for q4 figure out the next set of things to work on and uh yeah be on with it nice well i don't have any maker stuff this week so i don't know how you feel maybe we should just skip the after show this week and and see yeah i don't i don't have a lot i mean my maker stuff like i said has been bringing in the work of others and uh exactly roll it out (laughs) so i personally don't have much uh there either so yeah sounds good yeah let's wrap it then and uh call the show all right Cool. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week or Alrighty, sir. in Slack in like <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Bye for now. Later. Take care. Bye.